So to the degree that we're willing to feel our, you know, pain, our existential crisis, our, and not anesthetize it, not numb it, not run from it. Like we were talking about before, not abandon it and be with it, stay in the fire of the transformation of whatever it is, you know, and not bold. Like we started this conversation with. Welcome to the relational parenting podcast. I'm Jennifer Hayes a parent coach and 20-year child care veteran. Each week, I sit down with my own father, Rick Hayes, and discuss the complicated issues that parents face today, as well as some of the oldest questions in the book. From the latest research and the framework of my relational parenting method, we offer thought-provoking solutions to your deepest parenting struggles. Added bonuses include intergenerational wounding discussions and guest child care experts. We will also start taking your parenting questions in episode five. So be sure to comment with your biggest questions or email me directly at Jenny at JennyB.co. Let's get started. Jana Wilson is an emotional healing educator, meditation teacher, retreat leader, hypnotherapist, heart math facilitator, and founder of the Emotional Healing System. For the past two decades, she has taught thousands internationally in group and private retreats. Jana trained with best-selling author and physician Deepak Chopra and New York Times best-selling author Debbie Ford. She lives off-grid in the foothills of Santa Fe, New Mexico, with her husband and business partner, Dr. Lance Wilson. When she is not guiding clients to heal, she enjoys hiking, yoga, and watching documentaries. It's been a couple of weeks. Uh, Welcome back, everybody, to the Relational Parenting Podcast, and welcome Jana Wilson. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thanks, Jeannie, for having me and Rick. Yeah. Hey there. We, um, so Jana, you recently released a book called wise little one and recently released, but many, many years in the making. Is that right? (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you sent me a copy of the book and I, and I read it and I was just blown away and it spoke to me in so many different parts of my life, but the inner child work that you talk about is like, it's so like the depth that you go into with it is what kind of really pulled me in because I've, I've known about inner child work. I've done a little bit of it with my own therapist, um, but I haven't done the deep dive that you've done. And I was just so excited to have you on here and to have you share more about what you do with our audience who parents, I mean, bringing up their, their children who are currently in their inner child, (laughs) um, and not right. Not creating an environment where those children grow up and have to be adults who reparent themselves. And, um, yeah, I'm just so excited to have you. Thank you. I have not, I have not done inner child work and reading what I've read of your book convinces me I probably need to do some (laughs) of them. I appreciate the exposure. I've heard that phrase before, but I appreciate the exposure to the term, the stories you tell, um, are very, uh, you can tell you've been there, uh, the way you describe some of the situations that was very, very, uh, hard hitting, but, uh, affected me and made me take the, take what you're saying very seriously. I need to explore that more myself. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, you know, of course, when I was young, I didn't know I was 
managing my inner child, right? I didn't know anything about that. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand developmental trauma. I didn't understand, you know, precognitive trauma, which I experienced in the womb. We all know that mothers who drink do drugs when they're pregnant. Of course, it's affecting the fetus. Um, But what about a mother who's clinically depressed? What about a mother who is being beaten or being abused, emotional abuse even? And the the child's taking a steady diet of adrenaline, noradrenaline, cortisol. And the best way, many people ask me, what is the inner child? It is our feeling self. Mm -hmm. When we were little, we don't have the rational structure defenses of an adult. So we take everything personal. Those first Mm -hmm. seven years of a developmental years, birth to seven is developmental and And we're, you know, we're looking through this lens at everything through filtering of our emotions. And when I, you know, I started doing work and shadow work and all my professional training, I began to see that if I could, and and this was like in the early nineties when I, John Bradshaw was the, really the one who opened my eyes to inner child and healing the toxic family dysfunctional dynamic because my father was an alcoholic. My mother, of course, was a battered woman. So she had Mm -hmm. battered woman syndrome. She also had bipolar, borderline personality disorders. So she was dealing with, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot from the loss of her father when she was 12. And so, you know, then we go intergenerational trauma. The Bible says the sins of the father get passed on. And so in my family... Mm -hmm. You know, that was being passed on. Uh, my father, you know, they immigrated from Ireland. It's a lot of drinking. Hmm. My, hmm. you know, and so you start to see your own family of origins trauma and that you're taking it on. And of course, yep. that was in hindsight, right? Like yep. that I was doing Always. that. <laughs> yeah. And there's different types of trauma. You know, of course, wise little one I share. I score 10 out of 10 in adverse childhood experiences. So Hmm. there's 10 questions clinicians give clients to, you know, ascertain what type of trauma did they have growing up. And mine, I answer yes to all 10. But there's traumas. I don't even like to say big T trauma and little T trauma because the little T trauma, it's like you're negating it. You're minimizing it. Mm -hmm. To a child, I had a client once, she said, you know, my my childhood was great. My parents were great. They're still married. I don't know why at 45 years old, I'm unhappy. That's Mm -hmm. why I came to you. And I took her through hypnotherapy and she discovered when she was five. So that's that first, you know, seven years, she was at a lake. They were forcing her to get into the lake. She couldn't see the bottom of the lake. It scared her rather than honoring that she wasn't ready and let her go in in her own time. They forced her in because, of course, they Mm -hmm. knew she'd be fine in that moment because her reality was denied and she wasn't being seen or heard, which are two archetypal parental trauma that parents do unknowingly unconscious, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not intentionally doing this, but, um, so she made a meaning and I call it our operating system. Her Mm -hmm. meaning was my feelings don't matter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If they did, 
mom and dad would listen. Mm -hmm. They would not have forced me in that water. So at five years old, she makes a, a meaning that my feelings don't matter. And guess at 45, what's her biggest complaint? No one cares about what I feel. No one listens to me. Yeah. It sticks. It becomes, it becomes part of her infrastructure. And I that's call it a lot of that is system, Rick. That's the there you go. She defaults there you go. To yeah. it. Becomes that. Yeah. And that might have mm -hmm. been generational too. I mean, her parents may have been raised that way and thought they were being good parents because that's the way we do it. And by golly, next thing you know, it's generational. Yeah. Exactly. Like be a big girl. You know, boys get that message. You know, don't be mm -hmm. weak. Yeah. Don't cry. You know, man up. Like, and yeah, yeah, we get these and, and it's not because we had malicious parents. I mean, let's face it, parenting doesn't come with a, you know, a book like we don't go to school to learn emotional intelligence. Yeah. That's one of my we're favorite trying things. to change. <laughs> <laughs> why not? Yeah. Why? We've been doing this for a while now. Why is there not a manual that you and a test you have to take before <laughs> you become a parent? You know, for a driver's license, there ought to be some basic things you have to pass before you're allowed to breed. Okay. Exactly. I know that'll I know that'll never happen. <laughs> or at least for the parents who want that, right? Like, hey, I'm a new yeah. parent, I'm pregnant. Is there a book out there that teaches me how to conscious parent? Well, there is now, you know, Dr. Shafali yeah. has one and conscious parenting okay. and yeah. There's a lot, yeah. And I it makes me so happy that it is becoming more mainstream now, you know, gentle parenting is kind of the big term conscious and mindful, I think are also out there. Um, and that's, you know, with relational parenting, similar to what we're trying to do is like, it's all about the emotional intelligence. It's all about meeting the emotional needs of your children between those ages, zero to seven, because that's what sets them up with the foundation to move into cognitive um, to move into the the higher brain, to move into reasoning and all of those different skills. Because if you don't address the emotional foundation first and we don't honor all of those things first and we validate our child's reality, et cetera, then they move through life thinking, I don't matter. What I think doesn't matter. My feelings don't matter. Nobody believes me, et cetera. And those carry on like that one woman you talked about as a client. She's 45 and she still believes those things. I still believe. Well, not there's, anymore. There's... But no. <laughs> right now she's gone through <laughs> your retreat. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've been in therapy for, with my therapist for like eight years now. Um, and it's still I'm still working on undoing some of the, the yeah. beliefs that I hold from my childhood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Early, early in your book, that's, you said you had a lot of heartbreaking days and then weeks of deeper healing. You know, that's the thing that gets me about this is a, you got to get people self-aware that people do have operating systems and there's that game going on at that level. And then once you have a realization, then it may take a while to, process that you know it's not a snap your finger kind of fix thing it's hard work well a belief is a practice thought so when we were little we began hmm. to practice thinking a thought over and over and in her case we'll use her as an example hmm. my feelings don't matter so then it anchors as a belief her operating system so no matter what she reads or what she does that software of the book or the 
retreat or the what is is won't sustain for long term until she practices daily thinking differently. Mm-hmm. So hers yeah. was, of course, mm-hmm. if that's the false belief that my feelings don't matter, then what would the true belief be? Would my feelings matter. Now she has to say that to herself every day. And then she's going to be presented with multiple opportunities to advocate for herself, right? To advocate Mm -hmm. for her inner child, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. in reparenting, what we're doing is we are stepping into being a healthy adult, not an adult child. And an adult child is I'm 50 acting five, right? Road rage, you see it. And so Once we step into the role of becoming a healthy adult, then we realize there's certain feelings, you know, and experiences that we had when we were little. And of course, you know, they continue to happen and we get triggered, our buttons get pushed, we get emotionally charged. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the key is to be childlike, not childish. Yeah. Right. And so... It's learning what I teach is a three-step process of reparenting. It's about intent. Like Mm. I have an intent to understand my feelings. I relate with my feelings like a little girl. So little Jana and I have a very close relationship because she trusts me. I listen to her. Of course, that is me, but it's my emotional self. It's not my physical self or my mental self or my spiritual self. It's my emotional self. And Mm -hmm. so I relate with like anxiety, like, oh, little Jana, tell me what I'm doing or saying or watching on TV or what am I doing that's creating anxiety for you? Mm -hmm. And then she'll say, well, you're, you know, you're watching too much about the war or you're, you're entertaining ideas of children, you know, being hurt or, and it's making me nervous and anxious and I'm helpless over that. And so then I'm like, I can see I'm doing that to you. I apologize. You know, please forgive me. And then what action do I need to take? Well, the action is stop consuming that stuff that's making me anxious, right? Mm -hmm, Right? mm -hmm. Yeah. It could be about money. You know, oh, you're telling me we don't have enough money that, you know, we're going to be, you know, homeless or, you know, that's creating anxiety. You know, general anxiety disorder is one of the all time, you know, largest um, prescription prescribed disorders. Right. And and it's people. It's each person creating a story in their mind that creates the anxiety. Yeah. And so that's part of that. There's a lot more anxiety. Uh, from what I hear, you know, people, there's a lot more of it, or at least it's identified more now than other earlier generations. Maybe my generation used to worry about it. I mean, I think we kind of poo-pooed that for a long time, and now people are, it's becoming apparent people are ang- being are anxious about things more than they used to be. Right, and they're the well, ones it's talked about more. It. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. And yeah. even depression, you know, what is depression? Look up the word. Depressed means to push down. So yeah. if my little girl, my emotional self is feeling, you know, anxious or fearful or something, and I'm saying, you know, get over it. Just stop, Jana, you know, like grow up, like mm-hmm. stop feeling this way. That's like a little girl sitting here telling me I'm scared of me going, stop it. I don't, that's not yeah. very good parenting. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But as soon as I relate with that and I have, I have clients put pictures of themselves as children on their phone and really mm-hmm. make this person real, this little person yeah. that you once were. And I look at her and I'm like, oh my gosh, I wouldn't talk to a little girl that way. I would be like, what is it, dear? You know, tell me, yeah. I love you. I'm here. I'm listening. And so high emotional intelligence, the, one of the key factors is leaning into discomfort. Yes. Hmm. Yes. We've talked about that before on here a few times, um, is that there's in order to do any of this work and, and, and in parenting, you know, we, we talk a lot about that. Like a lot of parenting is being willing to be in discomfort, being in relationship an intimate relationship of any kind requires an ability to sit in discomfort and yes. not not freak out, not run away, not scream, not do all of these harmful things. And and I love this the way that you describe and and set up the relationship with the inner child makes it so visceral because you make it almost an, an another entity. Yes. And so it's like we are not we as the my adult self is responsible for this tiny human being. And it's me, like you said, it's still me, but it's, I'm going to look back at three and five and six year old Jenny, and I'm going to go, these are the things that I thought when I was those ages, these are the things that I felt, these are the things that I loved and wanted to do. And I'm, and I, and then I'm going to re-enter my adult body and I'm going to look at that five-year-old version of me and go, what did she need? Exactly. And then give that to myself and you describe that so beautifully. You, you, in some yeah. of your stories in the book, you really show how you did that for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you really draw a picture and, and you show exactly how intentional you have to be about it. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. how you talked to yourself through those moments where you were like, no, I'm going to honor little Jana. I'm going to, I promise I'm going to take care of you first. You come first. Everything else can wait. Yeah. And that's, you know, reparenting because, or parenting. It's what it's got to be. You know, Jenny, as is abandoning, you know, I'll, yep. I'll have, say somebody reaches out to me, they're an adult, obviously. And they say, I have abandonment issues. I know immediately mm-hmm. that they are abandoning themselves. Yes. Because they adults were. cannot be abandoned. Yeah. It, if you're handicapped, if you're elderly, if you're a child, yes, you can be abandoned, but an adult can't yeah. be abandoned. So if I'm talking to a woman and she says, you know, this man abandoned me and I'm like, okay, and you take care of yourself, you pay your bills, you do everything. Okay. You can't be abandoned. Yeah. Yeah. You abandoned yourself. So what does that mean? It's like little Jana, I put somebody else's needs and, and above my own. And so I told Mm -hmm. her, I think I shared in the book where I met my husband now and he Mm -hmm. was going through a divorce, I thought, and he really wasn't going to, he hadn't filed yet. Right. And little Jana started Mm -hmm. screaming, Oh my God, you're going to break my heart. You promised, you know, you wouldn't do this ever again. Here I am 49 years old at that point. And I had to stop the car and get clear she comes first. My feelings Mm -hmm. come first. I'm not going to abandon her. So I said, I advocated for myself, which is something I hadn't done up until that point. And I said to him, 
you know what? I choose me. I don't date married men. So when you're further along your path, you know, let me know. I'm a woman of value. I value myself. I value my little girl. Yeah. 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 I love that story because it, when you read it, if you read that story in your book as a a person who hasn't done any inner work, like and coming from a woman's perspective, you know, I've abandoned myself a million times in relationships to be something for someone else, you know, and that relationship doesn't ever work out, right? Never works out. Um, <laughs> and then you end up three years down the road, heartbroken, wondering what happened. And if myself from you know, four plus years ago would have read that book, that story, I would have been like, man, that was cold hearted what she said to him. And I read it now and I'm like, yes, she like, you just, (laughs) it's just, you just didn't beat around the bush. You, the nothing that you said was mean or rude or unkind. It was just, this is how I feel. These are my boundaries you know, and that's how it's going to be. And you even said, if, and when you are actually divorced or divorcing, give me a call. Yeah. Yeah. That was four days later. He did it. I was like, Oh, he's a man of integrity. Okay. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Motivated. Yeah. I love the way you articulate it, Jana, that, uh, there's so many people out there that, you know, they're suffering or, or uncomfortable in pain and they're not aware that, this can work like this, you know, uh, you articulate this and deconstruct it so well, you know, there's a, there's a method you can, uh, speaking to the parents out there, you can work on yourself at the same time as you're parenting and eliminate or reduce the need for reparenting in your children, you know, because of bad habits you learned maybe from your parents or some other traumatic experiences, whatever. But there are people out there and a little bit of study on your own, on your own, uh, you can go a long way towards doing this stuff. And of course, sure. what we're here to do is to get you exposed to people like Jana, who will, uh, you know, and Jenny, who can walk you through this, you know, who have seen this before and can help you walk through it when you get stuck. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we mentioned your book, Wise Little One, um, but you also have um, emotional healing retreats, correct? Mm-hmm. I do. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So I created, you know, in doing my own healing work, which I had a lot to do, right? Because I, mm-hmm. at a young age, I had to get to this place of how can I reconcile my childhood? Like I felt very mm-hmm. victimized, you know, I, it was, it was hard to look back and see I was sexually molested by my father, by a cousin. I don't even put that in the book. I mean, there was traumas I kept out of the book. Okay. That's how mm-hmm. many there were. It was like, how much can mm-hmm. the reader handle, you know? Yeah. And, um, so looking back at that and of course, books would show up, teachers would show up, I'd be able to reframe it. And the biggest reframe for me was asking myself the question in my early 20s, what if I chose it? Mm. Like, what if my soul chose that mother, that father for this experience for something greater Then wonder what that yeah. could be? Yeah. yeah. Now, once I reframed it, I started to feel very strong within. I was like, okay, well, only a strong soul would choose that life. (laughs) Yeah. 
And so then I got really busy, right, about healing. I found a therapist. I began doing Course in Miracles. I started studying metaphysics. I found Unity Church, which helped me understand false beliefs. And, you know, so everything, I started to really practice practical Christianity. Jesus left us Mm -hmm. with two commandments, love your neighbor as yourself. I didn't love myself. I've never been to a church where they taught me to love myself. They taught me to be selfless. Yeah. But I wanted to learn how to love myself. So fast, go back in time. Yeah. It's late 80s, early 90s. And I'm there's not a lot out there. You know, yeah. there's no internet or anything. And so I became a voracious, you know, just really opening myself up. And of course, the book You, I talk about that book that fell off the bookcase when I was in San Francisco. That changed my life. They were talking about law of attraction in that book. It was copywritten mm-hmm. in 1935. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been oh, around wow. a while. Yeah. And so I began to just, you know, devour know all, all of this. And I just became so um, excited about the possibility of being a cycle breaker. Like I had yeah. a baby, you know, I was a new mother. I was a single mom. What if I, all of that happened for me, not to me. And if it happened mm-hmm. for me, then what's the lesson? And as soon as I shifted that, that's when the teacher showed up. Deepak Chopra was my first teacher. You know, I Mm. began to learn that Wayne Dyer was one of my first teachers, Marianne Williamson. So I was devouring all of this content. You're with the big names. (laughs) Well, I lived in South Florida. Wayne lived there. My sister, my daughter's father's sister was his, um, his um, travel agent. So we went to a lot of events and then I began to know oh, him boy. personally. Cool. And then, um, and then, you know, when return to love came out, eventually I ended up working with Debbie Ford and training with her and moved to California and learned all the shadow work. So I started to see like, well, Debbie taught shadow. Well, Deepak taught, you know, more spirituality and meditation and things like that. And then consciousness And then, you know, each of my teachers was teaching something, but it wasn't a full Mm -hmm. system. And I was like, I want A to Z. Mm. If I were looking for healing, I wouldn't go to, I started to realize after, you know, 10 years in therapy to a therapist to sit for 50 minutes or an hour. It never got me anywhere. It was top down. Right. We just dealt with the issue that was right there present. It was no bottom. Right. It wasn't root cause therapy. I wanted to get to the nitty gritty. I wanted to get down to the root cause. And so then I became a hypnotherapist and that really opened me up. That's when I started Hmm. to see if we can bypass the conscious mind, this yak, yak, yak intellect, and we can Mm -hmm. get down deep and let go of the mind and get access to subconscious memories would pop and then those memories with a good site a good hypnotherapist they could guide you to extract lessons from those mm-hmm, experiences mm-hmm. that was a game changer so then i started to see around yeah. two, you know i launched my business in 2004 around 2009 i was burnt out and i was like okay i want to create an experience for someone that i would have wanted Just tell me Mm -hmm. what to do. I know somebody knew. Mm -hmm. So I Mm -hmm. had done enough trainings and work at that point. So here's what I did. I said, there's foundation. What is the foundation? You can't build a house on 
you know, on shaky ground. So what's the foundation Mm -hmm. of an emotionally intelligent person? Self-awareness. Okay. How do we get self-awareness? We have to have mindfulness. We have to meditate. We have to have silence because when we were born, we were little human beings and then we became human feelings and human thinkings in school. And then they pushed us out in the world (laughs) and said, now go be a human doing. Wow. And we got, we got a source, right? Human being, just being. So I became a meditation teacher. So that was a big piece. Like, let me teach people how to unwind the nervous system, regulate their nervous system, calm down, you know, be present. So my teacher Eckhart Tolle, I trained with him. So it's all these. Eckhart Tolle. Tolle. Is that the EST? Who am I thinking of? No, Est, Est was you, done by uh, Warner Earhart. So that's what landmark Warner. is today. Okay. Yeah. Eckhart right, Tolle right. is a German uh, man who um, wrote name. a book called The Power of Now okay. and, and A New Earth. And Oprah really took him to the next level 20, you know, 15 mm-hmm. years ago or so. And okay. he teaches all about just being present, like looking at a tree and don't label it a tree. Just be present. Don't label it. Yeah. That's right. You're Don't so fortunate labels. to have run into these people. Well, this is, it was this my is great. intent, right? Like my intent was you, there's people out there who know, go to them. And I was lucky yeah. that I was successful. My ex-husband and I had a successful business together that it gave, afforded me the luxury to be able to have the money to spend on all of this, right? Okay. All my okay. trainings and all that. So yeah. I, I saw, you know, this emotional healing system. Jenny is what I created. So foundation is consciousness is everything. So you got to be mindful. You got to stand guard at the door of your mind, because if you don't master it, you'll be a slave to it. Yeah. Then I said, okay, people don't understand the psyche. And so let me teach the psyche. Let me teach them how your psyche is formed. It's formed with light and dark parts. Like Mm -hmm. selfish and selfless or loving and unloving, or we can't have one without the other. It's Mm -hmm. daylight right Mm -hmm. now. How do we know it's daylight? Because we've experienced darkness. Yeah. If we never experienced darkness, we would just not probably even have a word for daylight, right? Right. It would just be. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And so we experience things through contrast. So that's when I did my training with shadow work and psychosynthesis. So I teach you know, a person here is who, here is you, you were conditioned as a child and you were told, don't be selfish. Don't be too full of yourself. Don't be conceited. Don't be, but children naturally are these qualities (laughs) and they're being told, don't be, don't be, don't be. And then we get middle-aged and we're like, who the hell am I? Because I've been told my whole life, you know, put that, part of your personality away that's not good yeah so I added that to the teaching and then um the reparenting so we relate with these parts of ourself like say you got a message as a child um to perform because we get conditioned one of two ways through looks or performance Mine was looks, beauty pageants. You got to be pretty. You got or your worth is defined mm. by how you look. Mm-hmm. Mm. Some kids, my worth is defined by what grades I get, how I perform in sports. Right? 
But true, the really conscious parent will take a child and say, I love you when you make mistakes. You don't have to get good grades mm-hmm. for me to prove in a love of you, love you. You know, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I am here for you. I validate you. I see you. And then that's intrinsic worth. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not extrinsic, right? I'm not looking out in the world like. Unconditional. I've, Exactly. I I have to make, you know, a certain amount of money or look a certain way in order to be valuable. I'm valuable because I exist, because I'm breathing. Mm -hmm. I'm here. Mm -hmm. And when a child gets that message, it's a game changer because I see it, you know, with my grandson and my daughter and my grandson's seven. And he is very emotionally intelligent. He advocates for his feelings. His feelings are respected. He's not you know, love isn't given if he does good. It's, it's also given if he does bad or poorly, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not based on these, you know, polar opposites. It's just performance. Right. Um, Or behavior shaping. Right. That's often where it comes from with parenting is that they, we desire a certain behavior based on our beliefs of what, you know, behavior should look like society should look like. And, and, and so we reward or punish based on the child's behavior instead of looking at their, who they are and just celebrating them. Exactly. It's it's interesting too, the way you were describing it. Uh, uh, I got kind of a talking about uh, being valued for your judgment or perform or your appearance or performance. That's kind of a male, female, yin, yang, kind of concept right guys tend mm-hmm. to be uh, valued I feel, I for both. your no both. no I felt both. I, yeah i'm thinking both, guys yeah. generally are are judged on their worth more than their appearance and it, girls it's individual tend to be, i think rick is it a little more blended okay it's individual everybody's different you know i worked with an er sure. doctor this summer a woman hers was total performance Total performance. You know, okay. She didn't care anything about looks or, you know, like it was just all okay. overachiever, performer. And we do have a mix. Like Jenny said, it's it's a mix between, you know, both. Like, you know, especially right. when we're in school, you know, our classmates and stuff, we see them, we compare ourselves, we, mm-hmm. you know, we want to you know, fit in, all of that. But there, yeah. we were talking about abandonment for, and I wanted to share with you guys And the listeners, there's four ways we abandon ourselves. And we're talking about abandoning our inner child, our feelings, right? Yeah. The first way is we get in our head. And we love to do that. We, you know, we rationalize, we justify, we analyze till we're paralyzed. We try to figure things out through, and feelings are not found in the mind, they are in Mm -hmm. our bodies right? The felt senses in the body. So that's the number one way. The second way, and this is mine, is push harshly and judge yourself to perfectionism. Mm. Nothing's ever good enough, you know? So I have to be very mindful to be gentle with little Jana, give her time to play and have adventure and not pressure her. That she's, she's okay to lay down and eat bonbons and watch TV sometimes, right? Like to be lazy or to be (laughs) like, because, you know, I, I was afraid to be that way because I didn't want to be like my parents who were both failures. Yeah. So I pushed hard to, 
you know, really not be like them. The third way is, of course, the biggest addictions, food, Mm -hmm. substance, process, all the addictions, even positive. I'm going to run. I'm stressed out. I'm going to just go run. Mm -hmm. If you're Mm -hmm. leaving the inner child back at home and going to run, you're running away from them. Mm-hmm. That's kind of an Going avoidance thing, right? Exactly. So you're abandoning yeah. your feelings through some kind of activity, even meditation. Oh, I'm just going to go spiritually bypass this and meditate yeah. or pray over it. <laughs> yeah. Anything yeah. can be an addiction, sure. Yeah. So these are also, if you're doing something to avoid a feeling, and then the fourth and the last way we avoid, and this is a big one for society, victim. Yes. Blame others. Yeah. I'm feeling yeah. this way because they hurt me and they did it and they're responsible. Yeah, yeah. I can't control well, you said it. Something, I can't do anything about it. You said something yeah. earlier, Jana, when you began this journey, when you started finding all of these healing modalities, before that you were feeling like a victim. You were you were looking at your childhood and going, look at all, yes. look at what I've been through. How dare they do this to me? Um, I was just a kid. You know, all of those feelings that, that people who have experienced trauma look back and have. And, and I, I, in my twenties experienced that as well. And became, and I felt so much anger towards my parents and I, you know, just looked back and was like, Oh my God, like this was wrong. And this was wrong. And this was wrong. And these were all, and it was like, I was finally conscious enough to see it. Um, even though I'd been feeling it for many years. And then, and then I had to have this transition from feeling like a victim of my childhood, like you said, to I read the right book or listened to the right podcast and realized like, oh, maybe I chose this. Did my soul choose this journey, choose those hardships in order to create the uh, motivation inside of me to build what I'm building now with relational parenting, with being Mm -hmm. a parent coach, with teaching others Mm -hmm. how not to do what was done to me. Mm-hmm. And, Something. and so then that shift from, from victimhood to, um, empowerment to, yeah. I can choose to blame and shame and hate my parents and stop talking to them and blah, blah, blah. Or I can choose to be an adult, right. And, and talk to them about it to express my feelings now, now that I have words for those things. Um, mm-hmm. I can choose to move forward and step into using what happened for good, for sharing my my now gifts that have developed from knowing all of those things. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I just think that that's... I have to tease your dad a little. Rick, you're not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's here. He's doing this podcast. We got to give him a little yeah. couple of hands. Yeah. When you when you give when you go to school when you uh, you're going to learn things you don't. I you, in your book you use the term Earth School. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think mm-hmm. I think it was, and that's you know we are. I think I think our souls do choose maybe harder lessons. You know, we d- dive into something to learn. We don't know it beforehand. That's that's part mm-hmm. of why we're here. And exactly. so, absolutely, absolutely. Sometimes uh, you got to wade through. Mm-hmm. Deciding to man up. Deciding to you know take get responsibility. Up, get up that's be, all. It be is. an adult. Yeah, yeah. take responsibility. One hundred percent responsibility. 
Yeah, yeah, because if you're not taking responsibility, then you are a victim. And if you look at like, you know, Cartman, he was a doctor who created the Cartman drama triangle. Are y'all familiar with that? Is that the victim? Uh, no. Persecutor. Persecutor. Uh, rescuer. Rescuer. That's the third one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. So the conscious model of that is the victim becomes the creator because they took mm-hmm. responsibility at some level. I created yeah. this experience or some lesson for me. Then the rescuer who they usually run to, which in a codependent relationship would be the caretaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, let me take your cares to be a good person. I should do this for you. I should. Yeah. So now they become a coach and they yeah. look to the creator, the old victim and say, What's your responsibility here, right? Like, what is this showing you about you? What do you need to grow and learn? And then, of course, the the persecutor is a challenger. And listen, we but all three of us know if it doesn't challenge us, it doesn't change us. Mm-hmm. You don't grow. It's, you have to have a little right. pain to grow. Yeah. Yeah. It's problems precede transformation. Crisis is yeah. an evolutionary driver. It is that yeah. way in in nature. You know, we get to a point, we stagnate, no growth, and then some kind of problem creates innovation, creates the next step, right? That evolutionary process. So, yeah, it's fascinating. And um, I I read once, and I love this quote, it was by Krishnamurti, the highest form of human intelligence is self-inquiry without judgment. Mm. That's hard. So hard. That takes practice. (laughs) Yeah. The lack of ju- suspending judgment, yeah. that's, uh, that takes a lot of work in my experience. But it, imagine if, if the self-inquiry is to the child. Are you going to judge the child or are you going to accept them? Does a loving parent mm-hmm. love the black sheep as much as the white? I hope so. Mm-hmm. Depends on where you're coming from, right? Sure, there are people who judge children. You know, quit, uh, quit sniveling, you know, man up, mm-hmm. jump in the water. But that's an adult child. We're not talking, we're talking, hopefully the listeners are conscious and they're not wanting to. That's right. That's right. If you catch yourself doing that to yourself and, you know, when you're trying to heal, then that's just a sign there's another, there's another uh, thing to learn. Well, you're being an adult child, you know, so you're 50 acting five, right? You're, you're, you see somebody doing road rage, we know immediately that's an Im- Im- immature person. I don't care what age they are. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or living in, e- living in ego, you can pick them out yeah. pretty quickly, that, someone who's living in ego. And that is the adult child. Mm-hmm. The ego, yeah. easing God out, right? Like ease, erasing <laughs> the divine out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's that, and, and it's that protective mechanism that's like, I equate the ego to fear, um, fear. I, hmm. I started living by the, by the quote or the, um, I don't know, just the thought of the idea of, am I doing this out of love or fear? Everything mm-hmm. that I do, any major decision, anything that I had to do, I would start holding it up against the value of, am I, am I doing this out of love or fear, love or fear, love or fear. And, um, ego to me has come to be a place of fear. Ego is a protective mechanism that keeps us safe. It keeps us from, um, experiencing Mm. backlash or criticism or whatever. And it might be that you 
inflate yourself through your ego. It might be that you, um, you know, feel, tell yourself that you're better than any certain person or subset of people, um, in order to protect your own feelings, how you feel about yourself. And, and so like the ego is there to serve a purpose, but it's also like, is that the purpose you want to be fulfilling is, is fear where you want to be living or do you want to release? And, and in order to do that, you've got to like, accept that you're a human being with flaws. You have to accept that you are not going to live up to whatever these social, you know, expectations are of performance mm-hmm. or looks or achievement or doing and productivity, like all of those things. And you have to start living from the inner child. What brings me joy? And nothing, as long as I'm not causing harm to another being, like nothing else matters out here. Like what brings me joy? Where mm-hmm. does, where do I feel loved? Where do I express love? Where do I feel full and capable and just like live from that place because ego just comes in to be like no don't do that no don't do that no don't do that kind of a risk (laughs) management thing that can be hard to get to though people you know people who are not self-aware you know that can be a tough nut to crack to get people on. well they can't that's why emotional intelligence the foundation of it is self-awareness yeah. Yeah. So, and again, like arguing for your limitation, if you continue to say it's hard, you think it's going to get easier. Mm. Yeah. So I didn't, you know, really being mindful of conscious language, like, Oh, that's hard to do. Like, okay, well, yeah. it's going to be hard then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But if you yeah. say more and more, it's getting easier and easier for me to be aware of when I'm blah, blah, blah in my ego or when I'm, you know, then you'll catch it faster. You'll start to, yeah you know, move through it quicker. Yeah. Yeah. People, you got to get people taking those first little baby steps. That's yeah. the and stories that we tell that become beliefs. Yeah. Yes. The yeah. practice thoughts. And then, you know, in loving ourselves, like what I realized was, you know, there's the Gary Chapman's four, five love languages. Yeah. When we're little, we know someone loves us. My granny was that for me. She, would sit and act, hang on every word I had to say. It was as if oh. I was the most important person in the world, right? That's she a saw blessing. me, she heard yeah. me, she was present for me. And so I know that's what helped me be the woman I am today and the healer and the teacher and all the things that I'm doing is because I did have that foundation. And even though my mom, you know, put the gun to my head, did a lot of things in her messed Mm. up state, she also loved fiercely. You know, we're not all inherently bad. And so, you know, there was a lot of good with my mom. I'm a heart math teacher now. I, you know, teach about the electromagnetic field of the heart. And when I was a teenager, I can remember my mom would come out of these hospital stints in a really higher state of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And she would have my brother and her and I hold each other Mm -hmm. and calibrate and get coherent with our heart, feel Mm -hmm. the love that we had for one another. That was a very advanced. Yeah. I was like. I, you know, how do we love ourselves? It's more than a Calgon bath and a, you know, day at the spa or whatever. And so I broke it down in six ways. Can I share it with you? Absolutely. Please. (laughs) Sure. That's a, that's a very interesting learning. You had a, you had a very uh, interesting, here's some really horrible stuff, but then here's some really equipping stuff 
too in your yeah please share yeah it's kind of like rick on that note it's like to the depths of your misery is the height of your ecstasy i i was had a lot of misery yeah. So yeah. the opposite of that was, you know, it was pretty good. So it was like, you know, you can dig into the earth and build a really high skyscraper, but you got to go deep in the earth yeah. so to the degree that we're willing to feel our, you know, pain, our existential crisis our and not anesthetize it, not numb it, not run from it. Like we were talking yeah. about before, not abandon it Face and be it. with yeah. it stay in the fire of the transformation of whatever it is, you know, and not bold yeah. like we started this conversation with, but yeah. self-love. So number one, emotionally, <laughs> take notes every day, you. every day. If you brush your teeth, I hope <laughs> while you're brushing your teeth, <laughs> create a tiny habit, look in the mirror, tell yourself, I am so proud of you. You are a good person. I am so happy. I'm you. Yeah. Like, I, I love you. I'm here for you. I know I've been pushing you hard. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Whatever's mm. pouring in your heart, say yeah. it. If you've been thinking, I wish my husband or my girlfriend or boyfriend, I wish somebody would tell me that. Tell yourself. Tell yourself. Yeah. It's not their responsibility. So emotionally, yeah. really loving yourself every day. Then right. physically. Now, physically, how do we love ourselves? Well, we eat high, dense nutrition. We don't overindulge. We move our body. If we're a good parent, we don't let our kids sit and eat, you know, ice cream all day and watch cartoons. I mean, that's bad parenting. Mm -hmm. So we shouldn't do that yeah. to ourselves, right? Yeah. So physically, we want to love ourselves. We want to stay healthy and moving our body. A body in motion stays in motion. Mm -hmm. Third, spiritually. I teach meditation. I've been a teacher for 16 years, you know. RPM, rise, get up. What's the first thing you do? You go to the bathroom, you empty your bladder, yep. meditate, RPM, rise, rise. pee, meditate, pee, meditate, <laughs> 20, 30 minutes sitting, use a mantra, you know, so hum is a good mantra. It means I am in Sanskrit, or you could say peace, be still mm -hmm. just, or just peace, peace, you know, just keep thinking the word peace. Every time the mind goes away. Bring it back. Prayer, of course, being in nature, connecting to spirit, that which is beyond the senses, yeah. right? Acknowledge, Cultivating. Acknowledging something greater, yeah. Yes. And that there is something greater, yeah. The fourth way is organizationally. Children thrive in environments that the bills are paid. Mm -hmm. You know, things are clean. Things are in Stability. order. There's stability, there's structure. Stability, yeah. Absolutely. We must provide that for ourselves or we really start to spin out and, you know, it's not, it's not loving. It's unloving. It's abandoning ourselves. So yeah. organizationally, mm -hmm. financially, you yeah. know, we've got to make sure our financial house is in order. We're paying bills. We're not overspending. We are saving. We're, we have some stability in our finances and drum roll, please. <laughs> we'll have to get a drum right. and the last one is relationships our relationships hmm. mirror us yes. back to ourselves yeah. yes, you know do. somebody calls me and they say i'm in a relationship with this guy and he's emotionally abusive i know immediately she's emotionally abusive to herself yes yeah. 
So we want relationships or teaching. There are teachers. They are the spiritual path. So if we're in relationship with somebody who's disrespectful, it's a mirror that we're doing it to ourselves. Clean it up within, and then you'll mm-hmm. let go of that relationship and find relationships that are yeah. healthy and loving. And yeah. Yeah. When you said, when you, thank you, first of all, for sharing those six, I think that that's a phenomenal foundation for any human being to look at and be like, how did I take care of myself today emotionally? How did I take care of myself today physically? And it's, you're right. It's not just like take a bubble bath and feel better because that's not Mm -hmm. like, sure, that feels good every once in a while, but that's not self-love. That's not Mm -hmm. how you get there. But when you said, one, I'm so glad that relationship was in that list. Um, obviously we're very big on relationships around here, (laughs) but when you said earlier that you had studied with all of these different teachers and learned all of these different pieces of what you know now, and then you were like, I want something that's all of it. I want A to Z. I want to integrate everything. And I want to create something that I would have wanted, you know, back when, um, That's kind of, I just, I really resonated with that because that's kind of what I've done, not kind of, that's what I've done with relational parenting is I've taken the last 20 years of raising other people's children, teaching other people's children, you know, all of the books that I've read, all of the the spiritual and the healing and all of the things that I've done, all the relational work that I've done um, in my adult life. And I was like, and I, I looked at the parenting models that are out there and I was just like, something's missing. It's, there's not like, we got to put it all together. We need to make it all, put it all in one package and teach it. Cause, cause you need each part. You can't just have one here and there, um, in order to have like a really successful parenting journey, um, and build a really successful relationship with children who grow into well-formed, well-rounded, healthy, um, adults. And that's what I, where I finally came up with the word relational parenting, because in relationship, whether it's your relationship to yourself, your relationship to the world around you, your relationship to your experience and your thoughts, your relationship with other people, your parents, your friends, your coworkers, your lovers, whoever it might be, whatever it is, relationship determines 95% of everything in your life how you relate. And so teaching, you know, in part of relationships, there's spiritual, emotional, physical, all of those pieces go into our relationships and it starts with how we relate to ourselves and then it emanates out. And so if our parents can, can learn, can reparent themselves and learn all of these things and then parent the next (laughs) generation in that way, we can make the world a better place, as my dad Absolutely. would say. <laughs> yeah, make a little and progress I just, I just love... to eliminate some rework. <laughs> Rick, yeah. you must be so proud of her. She's amazing. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. I am. I am. Yeah. She has done. Uh, she has done a lot of work. She had a. She had a somewhat tempestuous childhood too. Uh, that I was little part t of. trauma. And, uh, little T trauma. It was big yeah, T for little Jenny. It was big yeah. T for That's me. Right. You're right. It That's was big right. T for little Jenny. I like that. Yeah. 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 Aw, it's been such a pleasure being here with the yeah. two of you. 
Thank you for doing this work. Thank you so much. I just, I wish I would have had a father like you, Rick. I love my dad. He was a very broken man, but I did not get that. (laughs) I feel very lucky. I do. A lot of people, especially women that I know um, and I'm close to have told me how rare my relationship with my dad is. And so I cherish it very much. We were always able to talk. Uh, back mm-hmm. to the relationship thing. And, you know, it was not perfect and it may not have been pretty, but we worked through it. You know, mm-hmm. we, we were able to stick together and uh, we learned a few things and still are. And we are. Uh, I, I treasure Beautiful. our relationship. Yeah. Man. You know, because this is, we're not perfect beings, but we're on the road. We're wabi-sabi. That's the Japanese term for perfectly yes. imperfect. Yeah. Wabi-sabi. I love that. I wrote that's I, that's one of my little things I wrote on a sticky note. I'll have to get reading one, it. I'll have to get one of. The, I'll have to get a, a uh, painting of that. Yeah. Yeah, a tattoo or something. No, on your head. Yeah. Well, You're pointing another, to your head. An, I'm <laughs> sorry. Another his picture. We, one of the early beginner's mind. Episode. Yeah, oh, I love yeah. that. Beginners so I'll have to get Wabi Sabi to go up here. Look up a TED Talk called Wabi Sabi. Okay. TED will. Talk Wabi. Okay. It's a girl named Cheryl. I can't, Heinz, I think. I can't remember her last name, but she shares her story of learning about Wabi Sabi. Get some tissues because you will probably have Uh-oh. a few tears. Uh-oh. Okay. I have been known it's to cry. It's powerful, though. So. Very powerful. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. It's been great to meet you, Jana. You have Thank such you. a wealth. When you talk about Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra and and uh, everybody, that all, that you, like, just, you got to them when they were like starting, like yeah, before yeah. they were famous. And I'm like, I have um, all of those books. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Read all the books. Yeah. Didn't get to. Didn't do what it took to get out and meet them. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, I really respect that you got out there Thank and you. you're pulling it all together. You pull, you're pulling so many things together. Yeah. Parents, work on yourselves and save your kids a little bit of journey, a little bit of work down down the road, and make the whole thing run smoother while you're while you're raising Amen. your kids. It's out there. <laughs> you can find it. It's not the '80s. We have the internet. It's much easier to find these things than <laughs> right. it was. When I, when I was walking up up and uh, uphill to school both ways, you know, home and, <laughs> and there, there's a lot of stuff out there. You can get to it. Don't give our age away, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jana, for being here. Um, it was it was beautiful. You shared such a huge wealth of knowledge with me, with the audience, um, with everyone. I'm so excited to share it. Yeah. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Uh, Happy parenting and good luck out there, everybody. Well, did you learn anything new or have you heard all of this before? Do you agree with us? Disagree with us? Have a question? We want to see you in our inbox or via the Patreon page in the show notes. Tap on either link to send us your feedback, share your own parenting story, or support our mission of providing a connected community for all parents. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you loved this episode, click on that little star and give us five of them so we can get visible to other parents who are looking for us. This is your weekly reminder. Parents, you already have everything you need inside of you. You are a strong, loving, capable parent. And here, 
you are never alone. I'll see you next week.